Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name is Marion Rose, PhD, and welcome to the Aware Parenting Podcast. Today, I am so delighted to have with me Kirsty Fernandez. Welcome, Kirsty. Thank you so much. I'm so delighted that you're here. So I'd love to share a little bit about you, and obviously you're going to share more about what you do through the episode. You are an Aware Parenting Instructor, and you really specialize and focus on the fourth trimester. So really supporting mothers and babies after birth. And what we're going to do today, or what you're going to be doing, and I'm going to be listening, is really sharing a lot about that process. And in particular about the effects of birthing on mothers, particularly if there has been a stressful or traumatic birth. So, so mm -hmm. far in this series, we've been really focusing on the effects of birth, really looking at babies, but this episode's really much more of a focus on the effects of birth for mothers, and particularly if things go awry or in ways that aren't expected or that are traumatic. So I'd really also love to say, we'd both love to say, if you have yourself as the listener experienced trauma when you were giving birth, you had things that really were unenjoyable for you, painful for you. And well, I really want to invite you to go gently as you're listening and please notice if some big feelings are showing up for you. And please remember that anytime you can press pause and really just get support if you need to. But I really invite you to listen to yourself because it can be massive if, if we've experienced trauma giving birth and it can often take quite some while to heal and there can be layers and levels and it can take a lot of time and so even if you think that you've healed from your experience already please just be gentle with yourself and really listening to whether you need to pause or not mm. so given that oh and I forgot to say Kirsty of course you're also the mother of two most important mm -hmm. thing in the world so you have a four-year-old and a six-year-old and mm -hmm. so often as a aware parenting instructor so much of our learning comes through our experience as parents so I really want to acknowledge that. My apologies, I didn't include your lovely, lovely <laughs> beings. <laughs> so should we start off with your journey to and with aware parenting? Would you be willing to share about your journey first before we dive in deeper? Yeah, absolutely. So my daughter was probably about nine months old and I just really wasn't enjoying motherhood that much. I sort of, it wasn't what I had expected. I was finding it more challenging than I had anticipated. And my daughter would would scream and cry every time I put her down. And I found that I couldn't I couldn't do anything. And I was sort of confused by this experience. And I felt quite isolated and alone. And I think it's a a challenging thing to talk about. Often people don't like to talk about what they're experiencing in their early motherhood and how we should be loving every moment of it and so there was probably an element of me that that felt like there was something wrong with me as well and one thing that I noticed within my daughter within her body is that every time she was sitting she would curl her toes and if you even just curl your toes for a moment you can you can really feel how much tension that requires in your body and how much energy that that needs and it, it didn't quite sit right with me that she would have that much tension in her body. And I was listening to a podcast about co-sleeping and it naturally clicked over to the next podcast, which was a podcast called Voice of the Voiceless with Emily, who was actually interviewing Lael Stone. And it was all about aware parenting. And it was this sort of aha moment for me. We had already been, we had already been practicing attachment style parenting and I had some confusion around how I was meant to have any of my own needs met within that style. And this sort of hearing about aware parenting was really sort of the piece of the puzzle that I seemed to be missing. And Lael has just such a beautiful way of, of articulating things in such a compassionate and loving way that um, I really felt open to the concept. Um, and I remember you know, sitting with my daughter for the very first time and listening to her feelings. And um, and my husband sort of stood at the door watching me and, and I was listening to her feelings before a nap and she had never really napped for more than about 45 minutes during the day. And I just held her in my arms and, and looked into her eyes and said, okay, I'm ready, to just tell me what, what's going on for you. And I'm here and I'm listening. And she cried for maybe about 
maybe about an hour and then slept solidly, very peacefully for two hours. And I thought, this is this is it. This is the game changer. And I'm not, you know, it's not always that linear and that straightforward and there are ups and downs for sure. But I knew from that moment that we were onto the right parenting style for us. Yeah, it was a really big shift in our family. Mm, I love hearing that. And that really observable evidence is so helpful, isn't it? And as you say, it's not always so direct or so linear, but when you get those really clear indications of like, oh my gosh, how much more relaxed she felt after that beautiful Mm -hmm. cry in your arms. So, mm, so beautiful. Do you want to share anything more about, you know, you're obviously so passionate about it, becoming an aware parenting instructor. Is there anything else that you want to share in terms of what deepened your experience to want to be supporting other parents with aware parenting? Yeah, I just, I felt a lot of, I guess once you have an understanding of aware parenting, you can't unsee it around you. (laughs) And a real, I just had a real sense of compassion for parents and the kind of environment and the kind of society and the culture that we're trying to parent within. And a lot of the ways that we sometimes parent is how we were parented. And maybe that's that's what we want to do and maybe it's not what we want to do but sometimes it's hard to see other ways that we could parent if they haven't if we haven't experienced it ourselves and so I just had a desire to to be able to support parents the fact that I started aware parenting when my daughter was already nine months old really gives me a sense of compassion for not starting straight away or not understanding these things when I was already pregnant and so you know, that that's not a regret of mine. It's rather a, a blessing, I think, because it gives me a way that I can relate to parents that might start a wee parenting a little bit later as well. So, yeah, and I just think over my own experiences, we have practiced this over the years. It's just proven again and again to be able to help shift things within our family and help our children and ourselves be able to, you know, support ourselves and our kids through everyday stresses but also you know some of those really big events as well so it's it's the go-to for it all (laughs) I love hearing that yeah it's so beautiful isn't it It makes such a huge difference so I'd love to hear do you want to share how you really got into focusing on postpartum care and really that as you call it the fourth trimester what drew you to really focus on supporting mothers and mothers and babies in that way and parents of course as well (laughs) yeah absolutely so I mean the the time that I started my business really made no sense my my second child was only four months old but what I started to see is you know I went through antenatal classes and then we had made some light connections with some of the other parents in that antenatal class and then I noticed after birth we would meet up for a you know a coffee and then everyone was debriefing their birth and their postpartum period and it was just a deeper level of connection I guess with people that were sort of previously strangers and then more people would be sharing their stories with me and what I realized is there is not really a lot of support and there's not really a lot of places where you can go to have your story heard about about the whole about your whole journey so right back to fertility and pregnancy and birth and postpartum and what you've experienced. I had no understanding of what I was supposed to be doing to nurture myself postpartum. I had been really focused on the birth and and labor prior to that and then just had no idea (laughs) what to do after that. Um, And then when I became pregnant with my second child, I also started to see as the people around me became pregnant with their second children that maybe if they had had a traumatic experience that things started to come up for them or uh, their experiences would be repeated in subsequent um, pregnancies. And for myself, I noticed that when I became pregnant with my my son, everything that I hadn't processed from, from my first pregnancy came up to meet me. And I just thought, how is it that we go through this huge transition? And it is the biggest change that we go through physically, physiologically, hormonally, for our bodies, for our brains, for our development. Our brains literally change shape. And there's nothing really for us on the other side of birth that supports and recognizes that huge 
rite of passage where we've gone from maiden to mother. And in a lot of Indigenous cultures, that transition is really recognised and it's supported. And they, you know, there's a lot of community care and there's massive efforts placed around the birthing person to meet their nutritional needs and their need for rest and warmth and massage and social support. And those are a lot of functions that are missing in our sort of Western culture. And so it didn't really make sense to launch a business when my son was only four months old, but it was something that I was really passionate about, about giving people a space to be able to have their stories heard and to be able to validate their experience and then to be able to provide support so that they could feel empowered again and ultimately maybe change the outcome of their subsequent pregnancies and birth. Well, I'm so celebrating you and really following that really strong calling that you had, even though on the outer, it may not seem to be the logical thing to do, but I really hear it was such a thing you're so deeply called. So, so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. What have you experienced since then? Or what have you really noticed in your journey over those past four years ago that that, that happened? Yeah. What have you yeah. noticed in terms of working with mothers in particular, in terms of supporting them in that debriefing process and in that process, particularly, I'd love to hear if you want to share more. I love what you bring in terms of that cultural piece and how so much is missing in this culture to actually support mothers going to this massive rite of passage I love that you really name that and and mm -hmm. I, think, I think it's so important uh, as I imagine you do to really understand that so much of the challenges that do come up in families and particularly for mothers are really the result of not having any of that cultural rite of passage support to move into this completely new phase of life. So yeah, it's a big, long question with lots of different parts, but I would love to hear what you've observed, what you've experienced in that time. Yeah, um, I guess parents sort of approach me for probably three different reasons. Sometimes they get in contact with me because they're wanting to prepare for their postpartum period. And I often find this is mostly with people that already have at least one child. So they're wanting to understand more about how their, their postpartum period this time could be more nourishing and more nurtured um, than what they've experienced before. And sometimes that's also because they've had a traumatic experience and they're not wanting that same experience to happen again or they're wanting things to go differently this next time. Sometimes they get in touch with me because they're just on the other side of birth and they're in those first initial weeks and months and they'd like to feel honoured and acknowledged for their transition. Often when I'm listening to their birth stories, they may have experienced some challenges or some, some trauma within that as well. And then sometimes uh, they're getting in touch with me, with me because there's current parenting challenges that they're experiencing that they're wanting support on. But regardless of the reason that they get in touch with me initially, I really see that the most common thread is how our fertility, pregnancy and birth plays into all three of those. And so I'm always trying to take the support that I provide back to that fertility and pregnancy and birth journey because it plays out in everything that comes after it and the way that we experience parenting and the way that our children experience the world and their way of being in it. And sometimes it's very obvious and sometimes it's really subconscious or, you know, some kind of challenging behavior that we would never have linked to birth before that comes out in the way that we sort of live our stories. And I've completely forgotten what your question was. Uh, well, over the past four years, what you've really seen and what yeah. I would love to actually say, if you're happy, is specifically, is there any examples that you feel comfortable to share in terms of? how you do see or how you have seen uh, fertility, pregnancy and birth really show up in ways that perhaps might be unexpected until you're having the conversation with someone that they're realising this connection. Is there uh, other examples that you can share for the listeners? Actually, there's a personal example that I can oh, share of, of, my own, <laughs> of my own birth with my son. I had had a really challenging pregnancy with him for various different reasons. 
And when we were, and it was sort of a challenge for me to be able to be able to birth exactly where I wanted to with the people that I wanted to have there. And when I went into labor, uh, we transferred to a birthing center and there were three things that I really wanted to be happening. And two of those things were met and one was not. And uh, I had done hypnobirthing and I felt really, um, you know, consciously like I had prepared for birth and I had prepared for this moment. And at a very deep level, my body was not feeling safe enough to be able to give birth at that point. And so my labor stalled for about five and a half hours. And when this third factor that I really was dreaming about came into the labor room, I was I was able to have a, a big release. I had a big cry and my my midwife was just beautiful and really supportive and she was rubbing my back and I was crying and, and then I said, okay, I'm ready to have this baby. And he was born really quickly after that. They, they actually struggled to fill the birthing pool fast enough for how quickly he came after. And what I've noticed about how this might play out in my son and in, and in our um, relationship with each other sometimes is that sometimes we feel a bit stuck and we sort of, there's a pause and there's a, a bit of a, there might be a feeling of a bit of a push and pull or a bit of a, why are we stuck here and how do we progress and how do we move forward? And it's only very recently that I have linked that back to birth and I hadn't ever really made that connection before but I I really also trust that our babies have the birth that they are supposed to have and that there is a bigger thing at play for all of us and and more you know there's so much learning to come from the way that our fertility and pregnancy and birth journeys play out and the way that we can navigate those together with our children as well. Yeah, so that was just a really interesting parallel that I hadn't, I hadn't even drawn myself as an aware parenting instructor or somebody that sits and listens to birth stories all the time. And yeah, it was just a, an odd comment that my husband made. And I thought, oh. <laughs> yeah, and that's so often the thing, isn't it? However aware we are and however long we've been on the journey, it's, it's a constant new experiencing, isn't it? Of like, oh, okay, there's this thing. And, you know, more and more consciousness and more and more awareness. And what I really love, that you've brought is because in this series we've more been focusing on the direct effects of on babies of their birth experience and I love how you're really bringing in that of course it's so much about the mother and the baby during that birthing and that relational field and that was what you were seeing being replicated is that relational piece together and to really together it's so beautiful and powerful isn't it to really to really understand even if it's continuing isn't it to go oh yes there is that again the way I recognize this and to understand what's happening that can be so helpful can't it yeah yeah so beautiful Mm. what do you want to share a little bit more about what contributes to birth trauma and again that could be a whole (laughs) five-hour episode on on that and of course there's a lot of complexity and A lot of it is cultural, as we were talking about before pressing record. But would you like to share something about that? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I just wanted to echo that it is really complex and there's so many different factors that are involved. It is never the birthing person or the mother's fault when there is trauma that's experienced. And I think birth trauma really does include going right back to the fertility the fertility and pregnancy journey, and then through to birth and postpartum. I think sometimes there's a lack of understanding of the fundamentals that are required to support a healthy physiological birth. So things like the environment that we birth in needs to feel really safe. We need to feel deeply loved and cared for. We need choice and autonomy. We need freedom of movement. We need to feel like we're not on a schedule or like there's a specific time frame that we have to achieve something in and we need to feel empowered regardless of what turns our birth may take. I think um, as a birthing person, it can feel empowering to understand what our rights are within a medical system. 
to understand that we do have choice because uh, a lot of the the births that I listen to are maybe a feeling of being coerced into something or not understanding that something was an option rather than the thing that was definitely going to happen. I think language is another huge component, and I know that you'll love this aspect, but the language that we use around pregnant and birthing people is so critical. And sometimes from what I've heard from my clients is that sometimes that impacts them more than um, what actually physically happens during their birth. And a lot of that can sometimes just be what is deemed normal in a, in a medical environment. So saying things like failure to progress is a really hurtful, harmful thing to say around a birthing person. Or things like, you know, you just need to relax. It's not relaxing <laughs> to be told that you need to relax. And it can be things, you know, things not going as we had planned or hoped or a lack of education or information around certain interventions or possible outcomes or possible next steps. It can be fear within the birthing space and it might not be the birthing person's fear. It could be their support people or their midwives and things like that because they are also not adequately supported when they experience birth trauma. It can be previous traumatic experiences that are that are coming up as well. So I think there's, you know, there's so many different things that can contribute and it's never, ever the birthing person's fault. And I also would like to add that if somebody feels like they have experienced birth trauma, then they have experienced birth trauma. It is for them to decide and it is also entirely possible for the people that are around them. So the, the partner, the support people, the other maternity or medical profession professionals in that environment can also experience it as well by being part of that experience. Mm, thank you for that list. And yeah, I really appreciate it. I was thinking a lot as you were speaking and what I was remembering, I did a PhD many years ago and it was on postnatal depression on the effect of that on the mother-infant relationship. And in mm. the questionnaires I did, I was visiting lots of mothers on the ward and in the homes. And one of the things I heard so often was from mothers was about their birthing experience in particular and often how different it was to what they'd wanted or expected and how that had a significant effect on many of them. Uh, and I would say I'm so grateful that my births were really empowering and I just really want to acknowledge what a huge difference that makes going into mothering and being with a newborn baby who has so many needs mm. you know the state that we go in it has it's huge isn't it so my heart goes out to any mother starting off or, or going into another time with a newborn baby having experienced trauma I mean it's just the most heartbreaking thing isn't it to actually go in with all of this stress and all of these feelings and the kind of echoes of this experience so it just sends so much love I imagine we're both sending so much love mm -hmm. to, to everyone who's experienced a stressful or traumatic birthing experience and how that was then in those early weeks and months after birth do you want to speak in relation to that what it can be like going into that being with a newborn but actually being in this state of sometimes shock or dissociation or really this sometimes post-traumatic stress or whatever it is for each other would you like to sh to share something about that yeah so the the kinds of things that I see for my clients if within their fertility pregnancy and birth journeys if they have experienced some kind of trauma and their and their support people as well is, you know, you were talking about shock and dissociation. That's definitely a big part of it. There's a lot of guilt and shame around how things went or how they behaved in certain situations. This The sense of feeling like they've failed in some way. And then we see that flow on to, you know, struggling to be able to bond with their babies or to feel connected with themselves or the people around them. It often leads to things like breastfeeding challenges. I've seen mothers that will socially isolate themselves because they are unwilling or unable to be able to share their experiences. So they don't want to go to play group or they don't want to go to coffee group because they don't want to 
open up and talk about it or they don't want to feel silenced by people's positive experiences. So there can there can be quite a feeling of feeling alone in the experience. In New Zealand, the research tells us that about one in three women or birthing people will consider their birth traumatic. And so that's about 50 people a day in New Zealand. Mm. And I think that's astronomical. It's, it's really common and it really shouldn't be. There are so many different different aspects and we could talk about it all day in terms of how we could better support birth. But that 50 people a day is, is only the birthing person. So that doesn't take into account the fathers or the non-birthing parents and the support people around them. It doesn't take into account the medical practitioners or the midwives who can also experience that birth-related trauma. So the figures are, are even higher. And I think there's such a, um, a, real, a real gap for support for the people that have experienced that. I've often seen a, a a loss of trust in in themselves and their intuition, a disconnect from their true nature, or that that sort of gut feel that you get about knowing what's right for you and what's right for your family. So that can also um, take effect as well. There's often relationship challenges, particularly with those that were there who might have a different perspective or a different experience of the situation, or because there's a sense that maybe the birthing person should have been protected or other people should have done certain things around them. And ultimately, because we also all process our own trauma very differently, I can see uh, there can be fear of the medical system or a lack of willingness to seek support if it means re-engaging in the medical system, if that's where the trauma occurred. And then it, it can really flow on to things like a fear of getting pregnant again or a fear of having to give birth again. Or we can see see similar traumas playing out in subsequent births and pregnancies if we don't have an opportunity to have someone really hear our story and to feel validated and supported in our experience. And sometimes this can lead people, if they don't have that space and they don't have the resources and the support, in their subsequent pregnancies, they can want to navigate it entirely different. And this can be from one end being a free birth to the other end being an elective caesarean because they want to just avoid the trauma altogether. And then, like you mentioned, there can also be long-term mental health challenges, so post-traumatic stress disorder, postnatal depression, anxiety, OCD, you know, all of those as well. It's yeah, like you were saying, that's just so much to start your parenthood journey with. And if that's not supported and recognised and acknowledged and honoured and you don't have the space to share and talk about it, it can really impact you and the rest of your family for such a long time. It's really huge. It's really heartbreaking, isn't it? I feel just mm. so many feelings hearing you share all that and just imagining all the families that are really being affected and every day being affected by what happens, as you say, the fertility, the pregnancy, the birth, and these stresses and traumas. And in any healthy culture, these would be the things that we would be absolutely prioritizing, wouldn't it? The, mm. the most important things in terms of the start to a new life and a new family system is so vital. So I just, I want to say, I really appreciate what you're doing. And I really loved what you said in terms of what a difference it can make if this is really acknowledged, validated, and if someone is really able to reach out for support, which there isn't enough of in any way, shape or form, but if someone is and is able to really share that story and be lovingly heard. And I would love to hear in your experience of working with parents and getting to do that, getting to witness their stories and getting to hear their feelings. If you want to share anything about what you've noticed, what a difference that makes from the kind of before to actually getting to have that support that actually we all really need. Mm. Yeah, we all, we all really need it and we all really deserve it. And I think, you know, we focus so much on, on the birthing person 
leading up to the birth and how they can prepare and we you know we do antenatal classes and hypnobirthing and and whatever resources we resonate with and, and then the baby comes and then it's you know what happens to the parents after that <laughs> and I really think we actually need to f- continue focusing as a culture on the birthing person and then that resonates out from there so if we look after the birthing person they have the ability to be able to look after their baby and that means that their partner can support them and they can feel you know supported as a as a family unit and then that ripples out into our communities and our societies and I yeah so I really hear and wholeheartedly agree with how we need to be focusing on these first you know this first life this beginning of life and that if we we focus on the parents and the mother we can I like to say we can change the world but yes I agree (laughs) I agree with you (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so I yeah so I listen to a lot of birth stories and uh I you know I validate and reflect back it's a lot of listening to begin with and really just holding space for, for whatever needs to be said and whatever need, needs to come out and be let go of. I'm often apologising on behalf of, you know, apologising to birthing people for ways that we they were treated or words that were said to them or that they had a particular experience or I'm just acknowledging and honouring what a massive event this has been for them and how much of a major rite of passage it is into parenthood. There's been elements where I've had to explain uh, the effects of certain interventions that people haven't been aware of. For example, like synthetic oxytocin is not the same as the oxytocin that you would naturally create in your own body, and it doesn't cross the threshold in your brain, and so it doesn't create natural pain relief for you. And so if you're having an induction, then it can feel like, it really can feel like you're going from zero to 200 because you you are. Because that, yeah, the oxytocin that you would naturally produce if you were feeling really safe and really loved and really cared for is not happening when you're receiving a synthetic version. And a lot of people just have a lack of, they haven't been given that information. And so they're thinking, well, why couldn't I handle it? And maybe my body and my baby can't do this and things like that. And it's just a narrative that we can sometimes create and and that information helps us to lift and alleviate that narrative because it's just not correct. And so when people can understand that, sometimes on a deeper level, there's a lot of understanding, I guess, and compassion for themselves and what their bodies have gone through and actually that they do have a lot of strength or ability to birth their babies. Um, And to have your experience you know, really heard and validated and reflected back to you. I've seen I've seen mums who have refused to see their midwife again, who after a birth debriefing have said, oh, I really have the confidence to go back and, and talk to her and reconnect and to be able to say some things that I, to be able to give her some feedback in a way that I think could change the experience for the next person. So it's more assurance, more confidence, more willingness to seek further support has been another big thing that I've I've seen with some of the birthing people that I work with is like, oh yeah, okay, this is actually really big. And I think I do need some more support to be able to to go through this. And then and then sometimes when we experience this big shift as mothers or birthing people, that naturally flows on to our kids as well. And they might see big shifts in their children or in their babies. And I think, um, you know, when I utilize all the things in my aware parenting tool kit of listening to big feelings and attachment play and things, and I still don't see a shift in my children, I realize it's sitting with me (laughs) and there's something that I need to work on. And so I often find that when I am able to have my own, um, you know, the next layer of my story heard and healed that I will naturally see those shifts in my kids afterwards and they haven't done anything it's just like a yeah by association almost that that big shift can can happen with them 
yeah it's such a clear thing isn't it I've experienced that so many times myself and with mentees as well it's just like that yeah but I'm doing everything and yeah it's just that invitation for our own beautiful inner listening and inner work and and that shift comes that we offer that space then for our lovelies to to make that shift often quite effortless mm-hmm. and I think it's such a, a sorry such a long process you know and it's not necessarily linear I kind of think of it like an onion and I think you know if we were to to wrap our our fertility and pregnancy and birth story up in an onion we're only ready to do a layer at a time and we and there's a there's a trust in okay this next layer is ready to to be heard and to be healed and it's not you know we're not chopping up the onion from the beginning but it's just trusting that each layer will come up as it's ready and we and we see this in our in our kids too and I think sometimes when I am supporting parents with a particular challenge that they're having in their parenting a common one I think that sort of um, ties back to birth can be things like our our children screaming or being very uncomfortable in things like the car seat or a pram or a stroller or the high chair or tunnels and playgrounds and I used to see it all the time when I used to take my kids to swimming lessons and the um, the instructors would put together like a tunnel for the kids to crawl through and, to, and then fall into the pool and a lot of kids would just outright refuse to go in this tunnel and I watched all these sort of techniques about how they could you know make this this baby or this child do this thing and I I actually wrote to the swim school and I said please stop making children do that it's often related to their birth and they're not ready so it can be these yeah being in a confined space or something that we experience that our babies experience in the in the outside world that can simulate what it was like during birth for them and so it's yeah drawing those parallels can be amazing for parents to understand and to be able to to meet their children with compassion in those moments when we think you know oh that behavior feels challenging but it's actually so deeply related to their birth experience yes it makes such a huge difference isn't it when we really see and understand these things that are being revisited or being invited to be revisited as you say when a baby might not be ready i I Mm. love it often when i'm with mothers who are sharing about their birthing experience and they're with their baby and they might share about something and I'm sure you've seen this a million times and then the baby will start moving into that position or the mother will have a cry and then the baby has a really big cry or gets in particular positions or will make sounds at particular times in that conversation mm. where the mother's talking about the birth and I just love that it's such an interrelated process isn't it mm-hmm. of course the birth and the healing of the birth and I also see that often repeated around the first birthday often for the mother and the baby and the whole family often too actually older siblings can also be going through and revisiting that experience that you say the onion or sometimes I talk about it as a spiral is that mm. oh, yes you know we've done this healing and that healing and here we have this invitation particularly that first birthday I find to revisit and often it can take a really long time before we actually feel that emotional safety to revisit things on a deeper level so I think it'd be really helpful to hold all of these things in mind can't it how say prolific the invitations for revisiting birth and birthing are for babies and for mothers who've given birth Mm. and I think on that note, that it it might not be something that is processed and healed in one session, you know, like probably I, never in one session. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> I remember with my son, for example, when we when we first started listening to his feelings, that he would often rub the back of his head on the couch arm as we were holding him, and I really connected that with his birth experience, and he would do that for maybe one or two months every time he cried and then one day he just wouldn't do it anymore and so it's you know being able to recognize that and to be able to support our children in those different postures and poses like you were saying can be a a really amazing thing for their healing as well and it takes time yeah really takes time healing is such a time trusting 
process mm. it. and even it might be a baby again I'm sure you've seen this many times that a baby's like in a particular position maybe they always go to sleep in a particular position like with their hand up or with their face turned to the hand to the right and the mother might be doing her own healing getting support being heard the baby might be doing crying in arms as they heal and then suddenly the mother re-experiences a certain part of that birth or revisits rather gets to do that healing and suddenly that that baby has the big cry and then is no longer mm-hmm. doing that thing which is you no know, repetition of what you said really but it's just such an incredible process so beautiful but really coming back to what you said is it really requires that loving support and someone who like you who really understands the process and what is required for both to actually get to both heal from the experience Mm-hmm. yeah and then and then I guess at the other side we get to experience you know such a deep deep in tune connected relationship with our children if we're if we're willing and we're able to be supported through that healing of our journey as well so I think yeah that's that's definitely a big shift that I've seen with the clients that I've worked with too is just being able to connect with their kids on a on a different level it's such an incredible honor isn't it to get to contribute to families in that way in the most profound things to actually really affect the whole almost like the foundations and the roots of, of a relationship and that the foundations that then the, you know that the tree of the relationship grows mm-hmm. yeah it's an incredible honor mm. Mm. Is there anything, you know, when you think about that honour and the, the the beauty of the process, is there anything that jumps to mind that is really inspiring or, you know, particularly I'm imagining for people who are listening and, and are in the midst of this journey or perhaps haven't started on their own healing journey from their birthing experience, is there any mm, kind of inspirational or hope-giving <laughs> something that you would like to share? I guess I'd just like to tell everyone that's listening that they are worthy of support and that even if if everything turned out exactly as they had hoped birth and that transition into parenthood is huge um you know reiterating it's the biggest physical psychological hormonal thing that we experience as human beings and everyone is having is worthy of having their story heard and of receiving support regardless of how you think it went yeah everyone's needs are important and valid and and worthy of being met in that and I think you know nobody is alone in their experience it's really huge for everyone and then sometimes there's added layers of complexity on top of that but everyone is is worthy of of receiving support and I, you know, I think I would love for us to have a complete like societal reform where we changed our complete focus and we really started with uh, babies and birthing people and their support people. And that's where we focused on. And that things in our society and our culture were completely focused around that. I think we just see such profound shifts globally if that's where we started yeah yeah again I so agree and I join you in standing with that and for that won't it be wonderful when it happens (laughs) exactly yeah (laughs) Mm, for the listeners is there something that you'd really love to say to someone and also if it's someone also preparing for birth so I really love how you really joining together the whole fertility pregnancy and birth and not just birth is there something that similarly that you would really love to offer to anyone who's preparing for any of those three or is any of those stages to actually to do what they can to prevent trauma as much as possible yeah I think you know just to reiterate what we've already said it is never the birthing person's uh, fault if there is trauma yes um, so, so I'd love to reframe that actually thank you given that yeah. we live in a culture that really is not set up to support people in any of these stages of life and that makes it really really hard and they're in all the ways that you said and that isn't the information there isn't the support there isn't the choice in so many places 
given all of those things, what would you like to say? <laughs> yeah, there's still some things absolutely within our power. And I think education is a massive part of it. So understanding, and I love for people to to create birth plans and to to visualize their ideal birth. And I think it's also important that we have some understanding and some education around things that might happen as well or decisions that we might have to make that can that can make a real difference to our experience in that moment too to have that prior knowledge that we can sort of draw on or that our partner or support person is aware of as well in terms of our needs and our wants in terms of what interventions might be offered and what effects those might have and also to be really clear on what our rights are within a medical system that we have or particularly in New Zealand we have the right to time to make decisions and to be making informed decisions. And I guess to understand that uh, because it is something that is widely accepted or widely done in our society doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do it. So, you know, for example, in one of my um, labours, when I was in labour with my son, the midwife said to me, when my labour had stalled, I'd like to do a vaginal exam, but if you are, if the centre thinks that you are not far enough, far enough along, they may send you home. And I said, okay, I'd like to refuse a vaginal exam then. <laughs> so I had no understanding prior to that experience that that was within my choice and that was my right to be able to refuse that recommendation. Um, and my midwife actually congratulated me and said, that, that's a great choice. <laughs> so I guess we can, you know, surround ourselves with, with that information and that education and that understanding that we have rights and we have choice and autonomy in our birthing experience as well. We can surround ourselves with support people that we are connected with, that that understand the those fundamental things that I talked about earlier that we need in our birthing environment. We need to feel safe. We need to feel loved. We need to feel cared for. So who are those people in our life that create that for us and have an understanding that that's what we need at that time? I would love for us to have a very well-resourced and cared-for maternity sector. <laughs> Gosh, do we need it? And I think post-COVID you know, even more so. And and I would love for us to really prioritise the mental health of everybody involved in birthing um, and to have that support because there are also midwives and medical practitioners who experience that trauma and they carry it through to their subsequent births and they might be making decisions around your care that are based on those traumatic experiences. And it is really purely because they don't have enough support for their mental health as well. And so those are some of some of the key factors, I guess, that are that are totally within our control and can help us feel really empowered going into our birth experience too. So education and information and and surrounding ourselves with those people that make us feel loved and cared for and empowered and like we can do this. And really connecting in with your baby too, I think. I had a fairly complex pregnancy with my son and I think, um, you know, somebody said to me, have you, have you talked to him and have you asked him? And so really just really connecting in with your baby and having a sense of trust around, you know, my body can do this, my baby can do this, I trust this process. And I think one of the biggest things for me that was said to me was birth is a natural process. And up until that point, I had never really thought about it in that way. And I think there's so many influences that we have around the media and movies and things that portray birth in a way that is just not accurate and not helpful. So, you know, watching positive birth videos and, and things like that, these are the ways that we can sort of prepare for birth in a way that helps us to feel like we can do it. And, and, to, and to help the people around us realise like, yeah, oh, this is actually, this is a natural process that sometimes needs medical intervention versus this is a medical process that sometimes happens naturally. 
Yeah, absolutely. The framing makes a massive difference, doesn't it? Mm, I so appreciate all of the things that you shared there. Such beauty and clarity. Thank you. Thank you. Kirsty, I would love you to share what you offer. So in terms of people going, oh, yes, I would love, I would love some support in these kinds of ways. What are all the things that you're offering right now so that people can have a kind of a taste of that? Mm. So there's lots of different ways that I offer support. So if you pop onto my website, which is www.honoringmama.com, there's there's everything to sort of carry you through the journey from uh, birth affirmations, which I used for both of my births, which were amazing, like very empowering statements that are sort of like a little mantra that you can use throughout your labor and birth to online postpartum workshops where you can work out and plan for in a really practical sense uh, what you're going to need for your holistic recovery post-birth and how you can get your needs met and also how your family can help you to get your needs met after that time. Uh, and then ceremonies. So I offer um, mother honoring ceremonies or group ceremonies where I listen to birth stories and just really honor and care for the birthing people that have gone through that experience. And that often involves the other support people that were there as well. So it's not just healing and acknowledging for that um, mother or birthing person, but also the people around them. And also just general parenting support from an aware parenting perspective. But like I said, we always, always go back to birth because that's where it begins. Yeah. So those are some, some different ways that I provide support. Mm, I love and so appreciate all that you do. So again, would you be willing to name your website again and your social media so people can come and find out? And I'll have them in the show notes as well, but just so that people who are listening can hear. Yeah, perfect. So it's honoringmama.com and then Kirsty Fernandez, uh, Honoring Mama on Instagram and also on Facebook. Wonderful. Mm, thank you so much, Kirsty. Oh, I just love this so much. And it's really something I think we could talk about for many, many hours. So. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for supporting us to dip our toes in here. And thank you for all that you're doing to support families. And I do want to say again to anyone or everyone listening, if you have had big feelings showing up or any feelings showing up, I, I really want to invite you again. And I imagine you do as well, Cassie. We really want to invite you to get support, to receive listening. So that might be from a listening partner, an empathy buddy, if you have one, or an aware parenting structure. I really recommend Kirsty. And so, yeah, p- please reach out for support. It is so vital as Kirsty has made so beautifully mm. here. So absolutely yeah thank you thank you thanks lovely Kirsty. thank you lovely listeners and i will see you next time <laughs>